Welcome back, everyone. Uh, a new week. We're still here. You're still here, too. <laughs> We've got it going on. It's exciting. New stuff being made. New content being shared. Uh, I am Trent, as always, joined here on Salad by Zach and Cole. How's, how's it going, everybody? Hello. If you're wondering why we're named Salad, it's because, much like a good salad, a lot of different things go into making a great ad. And we're here to discuss the very... Uh, uh, different parts of the, the ads we like in the world and the ads we don't like and to kind of share our insights as to what's going on in the industry. Um, you know, we kind of joke from time to time that advertising is at a bit of a crossroads and there's some interesting stuff going on. So I'm going to talk about that a little bit up front to give you an idea of what we've got in store here. We're going to talk a little bit about a recent request for proposal condition from a major marketer that has a little bit of uh, hesitation among advertisers. We're going to go in and answer a fan question. Woo, That's right. Fans. One Woo. of you, one of you <laughs> listeners asked us a question and we're here to answer it. Um, and then we're going to give our bite-sized takes on a bunch of different stuff. It's funny. Uh, you know, I joked last week about how there's nothing going on right now in advertising and we'll probably just take it easy until can and share what we can share when it pops up. And then, bam, literally the next day, like five <laughs> new cool ads came out. So we're like, all right, we got to talk about it. Um, so let's dive into it today. Um, title in ad week. Agencies balk at insane conditions of new General Mills RFPs. Um just to give you uh -huh. two the rundown here, um, General Mills is kind of seeking new creative agencies to help it out with various brands that it has on its, its roster. They're essentially looking to compile a bunch of different creative shops that they can use for different projects and different work as, as they need it. Um, but a lot of advertisers are having issues with the RFP. Um, you know, uh, we can't speak to General Mills and their strategy and why they're choosing to go about this, but I want to call it out just so people have an idea of, you know, what the environment looks like that they're entering into, because it's interesting to see that this is how some businesses and advertising are having to manage now. Essentially, General Mills is looking to kind of have a 120 day payment term as well as ownership of intellectual property <laughs> with these agencies. Now, that may go over some of your heads and that's okay. It went over my head a little bit too. Um, but shout out to finance classes and mm -hmm. accounting back in the day. Um, <laughs> and that's why we there get we marketing go. majors. We know a lot yeah, about business a lot school. About finance. Essentially, a 120 day payment term is, is you have a, you give a service and you have the other person that received the service has to pay you within a certain amount of time. And so essentially General Mills is saying, we have a hundred, 120 days to pay you for something you did, which if you have a well-run company, you really want to close your books at the end of each month, uh, if not sooner, to try and keep staying up to date with how much money you're spending, how much money you're bringing in. That way you can say, maybe we shouldn't have that party, or maybe we shouldn't hire that extra help, or maybe we can. Maybe we should have people have a little bit of a break, have a little bit of a furlough. Like It kind of helps you determine like how to run your business better. And in an advertising industry where, frankly, a lot of people that are running it come from a creative background and maybe don't have that business background as well it's very important to have like strong like a business focus that i think sometimes agencies struggle with and it's kind of interesting to see too like of course they're struggling if some clients are asking them to wait 120 days to get paid now this isn't the first brand to do this you know ab inbev png mars mondelay have all kind of expanded their payment periods um but the other thing that's concerning is General Mills is asking to own all of the intellectual property. And that's not just like a TV commercial creative idea, but it could be even like a social media campaign, an app that they create. Because again, agencies are getting more and more involved in technology and, and creating other things than just your basic TV app. So for asking an agency to pitch for this business and saying, hey, we're going to keep all of the property that you're giving us and you may not even get the job, and it's anonymous pitch, so you don't know who else is pitching. Like, it's a very big ask. So it's it's a little interesting to see, and I kind of want to hear what you guys thought about uh -huh. that. <laughs> well, yeah, this is... Uh, oh, I mean, it's not, it's not great for agencies, admittedly. Um, you know, this kind of is in line with a lot of... <laughs> 
a lot of other trends surrounding, um, you know, kind of where the pitching process is going and where RFPs are going. And I mean, I completely agree with you, mm-hmm. Trent. This is like, yeah, this is pretty ridiculous. Um, the fact that, you know, one, the 120 day payment periods, but also they're not getting paid for any of the pitching process. And the fact that, you know, General Mills can essentially just take all of the creative ideas at the end of the day and walk away from all of it. I mean, it doesn't create a lot of confidence for anyone. And it's like, you know, how is an agency supposed to, one, set aside the resources to be able to do this, not expecting to get paid in, you know, many months now. Um, and then also they don't even know if they're going to be able to keep their ideas and they might not even get hired for it. So, I mean, it seems like agencies can't really be working under these sorts of conditions. And, you know, it really makes you think that the new business process, you know, either needs to change or what is General Mills expecting here? You know, are there other people that are able to satisfy these needs? Mm-hmm. You know, Hopefully not consulting agencies. <laughs> um, exactly. It's funny too. See, that's the thing is like yeah. people with deeper purses maybe because agencies are run so lean. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Lean, mean so. advertising machines. The funny thing too that made me just laugh out loud is uh, the briefs are blind or undefined. Um, so in other words, like people like pitching this business don't know which brands are going to be involved. And so like, again, like you're going to ask for people to create a creative execution or a creative idea for something that they don't know what they're coming up Mm -hmm. with it for. It's just a little bit silly. And like, look, I've been around pitches before where there are legitimate concerns about whether or not a brand had an agency in mind and did an RFP anyway to get ideas to then give to the agency they had already chosen in their minds, even if that agency did not perform as well in the pitch. Like, that's just a shady thing that I do know for a fact people have concerns about. Yeah, I can't say whether it happens or not. Zach is a little bit more sure of it, but like... I mean, I I don't know for certain, but I'm I'm pretty sure it happens. But it's like, yeah, you talk to anyone (laughs) in advertising, there's like anyone in new business always has that concern. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's there's a fear of, do I show all of my eggs at once? Mm-hmm. Do I dice them into a nice salad bowl and give it out in <laughs> nice bite-sized portions to the to the client? It's a little bit problematic, though. Um, you know, Zach, you've been a little bit quiet so far. I'm curious to hear your thoughts, considering you're the one that's been working in the industry longest of all three of us. <laughs> yes. Uh, let me let me start this with a story. Um, Ooh. There's an app that I'm on called Fishbowl, which is, that is like a, like. Tinder for advertising agencies? Yes. No. <laughs> Essentially, it's... It's like Gossip Girl for advertising <laughs> it's agencies, like gossip, actually. It literally is like Gossip Girl for advertising. It's a place where you can log on and anonymous, anonymously talk about the advertising industry with other advertising professionals. Uh, and so I was scrolling <laughs> like through Yik the other Yak, day. Essentially. Yes, it's almost like Yik Yak, <laughs> if anyone remembers Yik Yak, rest in peace. <laughs> Whoa. <For> agencies, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so exactly. I was... Yik Yak for agencies. Uh, I was scrolling through the other day, and I saw someone that asked about how long was an acceptable amount of time for them to ask for uh, before getting hired or before starting their position. So they had been offered the position and they wanted to take a little break before they actually started working. And I believe they said something like, is two weeks acceptable? Can I push for like three months? Uh, they were just trying to put their feelers out to under to understand how long they could ask for appropriately. And one of the comments on the post was something t- along the lines of, LOL, you think the advertising industry is going to exist in three months? Uh, so there's that. I mean, mm-hmm. I hope. <laughs> but uh, obviously, my internship ends. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You're the end of advertising trend. When your internship ends, everything else ends. Oh. No, uh, obviously it was hyperbole. It's not actually going to end in three months. But it's it's articles like these and 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 things like this that make people say that sort of stuff. Uh, it's tough in advertising right now. Um, and it sucks that the these major brands, like that long list that you mentioned, Trent, uh, have this power and are taking advantage of, of agencies in a sense because there's no other way for the industry really to do it right now as a whole. Uh, people try a bunch of different methods. Everyone has their own little way of going about pitching. But um, it's been hard to sort of rally everyone together to come up with a better way to, to handle the pitching process. And as a result, uh, businesses will just take what they can get. And when it's a huge piece of business, uh, agencies have no choice but to say yes if they want to stay 
uh, afloat, basically. So it's really an interesting and difficult situation. I know you brought up the the whole pitching process. It's interesting because where I work at, we actually don't do any spec work at all. Um, uh, and so, like, there's different ways that people go about mm-hmm. it. Uh, we come in with a exactly. point of view and give them, like, a little bit of an inkling of, like, what we're thinking. But we never actually create anything for that purpose. And everyone kind of has their own way of doing it. And it's really interesting to just see how people will respond to this, I think, because this is a a huge ask. 120 days without getting paid is is crazy, especially when you run on very razor thin margins like most agencies do. Uh, And going in blind is also just ridiculous, knowing that you could give away all of this stuff, not really even knowing what it's for. uh, And then you're not going to own any of it because you don't own the intellectual property. So it's a very tough situation. I'm curious to see uh, how agencies respond to this and and, and kind of who goes into the pitch, who doesn't, uh, if people actually band together and pull out completely and say, no, this is too extreme. Um, If someone will undermine that and go in and and be the one that wins for that reason, it's it's hard to figure out what actually will happen, but I'm, I'm curious to see how it plays out. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, mm-hmm. you you touched on it there, but we talked about it the other day. You know, like he, like some agencies decided not to pitch, but like even if like a bigger agency decides not to, or a mid-sized shop decides not to, there's still that hungry shop coming up that That's wants take the chance. Of it. And it's like there 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 needs to mm-hmm. be a better balance of agencies not cannibalizing their own industry for the mm-hmm. sake of competing, mm-hmm. as well as. A better understanding and trust between agencies and brands to develop better business procedures. Because let's be real, I don't mm-hmm. think there's a ton of trust between marketers and, and agencies right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, on and off in the news the last year, there have been reports about how there's investigations going into the media buying practices of some agencies and media buying practices of some brands that are considered shady. There's a lot of stuff that agencies are still figuring out with technology that they don't know how to pitch to the client or explain to the client. So then they kind of come up with their own descriptions for it that then the client doesn't fully understand. And there's a lot of like confusion. And I think uh, this is not an easy solution. I'm not gonna sit here and act like, oh, this could be fixed if you just talk more. But it's just interesting to see like, I think this is emblematic of the bigger problem that uh, advertising has struggled to adjust to uh, the current kind of marketing industry and the marketing industry has also struggled to adapt to the greater business environment where marketing is considered to be something that you can be cute with and do some social media budgets instead of actually being robust and serious with how you're going to pitch your brand to prospective customers. So it's very interesting to see. Um, on a brighter note, though, let's get out of the fishbowl uh-huh. and let's get into the DMs. Um, yeah. I'm currently pulling up on my phone a Instagram question that we got. If you're not following us on Instagram, what are you doing? Uh, go ahead, follow us at salad underscore podcast. There you can see us uh, post when we're posting new episodes, get some behind the scenes content, and just kind of hear our daily musings. Um, it's pretty fun. So we had a question from a person and she said, there are so many skills I want to learn. How do you prioritize what to learn on your own time? Now, this is something that uh, is close to all of our hearts because you know, wanting to go into advertising in a non-advertising program like we talked about last week, you really have to do a lot on your own time. So I wanna start with you, Zach, and then go to you, Cole, and then I'll touch in at the end. Zach, what do you do to kind of prioritize your free time to like help you prep for uh, you know, learning things that you need to do outside of school mm-hmm. as well as still balance the social life and work and all that, especially while you're in school. I know yeah. you're graduated yeah, now, I'm, but I mean, it's still difficult now, but um, it's it's not easy for me in particular. Uh, I think there's there's two pieces to this, uh, two pieces to what they're asking. One is how do you prioritize the time to do this skill? And then two is how do you prioritize what skills to learn? Because you might not necessarily know what you want to learn and what you don't. Um when it comes down to it, you just kind of have to make time. Uh, when I was in school, weekends were were amazing. You know, that was an amazing time to catch up for me because I was generally very busy throughout the week. So I would designate a little bit of time on my Saturday or on my Sunday to uh, study one of these things or, or to, to, you know, put in a little bit of time to develop some of these skills. And yeah, some people don't prefer to do that. And, and, and yes, it sucks. Uh, and if that's the case, then find some other time somewhere else. But 
you have to make the time. Uh, it worked best for me when I actually built it into my schedule. So I would plan out whether it be on a daily basis or on a weekly basis. Uh, I would plan out a time that day or that week that I was designating to learning that skill. And unless something serious came up or something drastic happened that changed my plans, uh, I would try and stick to it as best I could. Um, and so that's kind of the thing that I think helped me the most to, to really prioritize my time to learn skills. When it comes to deciding what skills to learn, for me personally, I learn by doing. And so I'm a firm believer in trying a lot of them and uh, then kind of chiseling down from there. So if there's four things you're interested in, at least dip your foot into all four and naturally you'll start to resonate with some of them more than others and you can eventually follow that path and then pursue that direction uh yes if you've got a a list of like 50 you're not going to be able to do all of them so at that point for for me it was finding what i was most passionate about and then when i narrowed that list down to like let's say five things and i only had time to learn one uh maybe i'd do a little bit of reading on a few of them or a little bit of uh research on which one would be the most proficient for me that I could be the most proficient and quickest uh, and do that one and pursue that and then after that uh, go on to the next one and just keep going you can't learn everything that's the, that's the kind of the consensus that I'm getting at is is there isn't really a way to learn them all so you do have to prioritize and, and pick and choose based on your passions interests and, and also just what you enjoy doing the most in my opinion it's a good point to bring up Cole what do you think mm-hmm Um, well, basically I think that you have to find the things that fit most into your life because, you know, if you want to be learning all the time, um, if you want to be, you know, continuing to expand your knowledge, you really have to find things that you're really going to be able to keep up with and do consistently because, you know, in today's world, things are changing so quickly. Um, you know, whether it's on social media or whether it's, you know, anywhere online, um, you know, there's news every day. Um, and so, you know, you want to find the things that are going to fit into your life best and that you're actually going to consume and be excited about consuming. And I'd say, you know, today's like media landscape is broader than ever, you know, whether or not you're doing YouTube, whether or not, you know, you're looking at TV or, you know, uh, you know, whether it's articles on like Ad Age or New York Times or something like that, you know, you, you find the things that fit into your schedule. And Zach's right, you know, you have to make time for it. Um, but, you know, it doesn't have to always be a bad thing. So like, for myself, um, one thing I'm going to be doing a lot pretty soon here is commuting quite a bit. Um, so I'm going to try to use that time, uh, to the best of my ability by, you know, listening to podcasts and, like salad. you know, setting that time aside. <laughs> exactly. That's when I, that'll be my salad time. Um, you know, eating in traffic there, <laughs> in the car. um, I can exactly. Um, and so, you know, just using that time and, you know, finding those places where those things fit into your life, um, I think is probably the most important thing. But uh, as far as what you should look into, you know, it should always be something you're interested in. I mean, career growth is important and you should definitely be focused on those things, but also look at the things you're passionate about. We said it time and time again on the show, you know, uh, follow, you know, do side hustles, uh, explore the things that are interesting to you. So always be sure to set set aside time for that. Um, and also, I think, too, it's always important to set aside some time to be creative, uh, you know, whatever you're doing, um, give yourself some time to create kind of think about things deeply um and uh you know learning more about those things or you know focusing on a skill is important um and then as kind of a final thing you know make sure that you leave time though as well um again to kind of indulge yourself in the things that you really care about and are passionate about um whether or not that is in your side hustle or whether or not it you know it's giving yourself time to just kind of you know watch your favorite show or do whatever you know make sure you bring those things as well in as well because in the end advertising is about culture and And, you know, the things that make you you, the things that you're interested in will also help in your work as well. So, yeah, (laughs) it's kind of a hard question to answer, but I guess that's mine. Answered beautifully, though, Cole. Um, (laughs) I I like what both of you said. I think there's a common theme there of you kind of just have to start and find out what's important to you and kind of go there. I'm going to give a little bit of a different perspective here. So... 
if you're looking at this as a college student, it's going to be different than if you're a young professional. And if you're looking at this as a college student, it's going to differ depending on what year you are in school, too. Um, I'm a little bit crazy. Cole's a little bit crazy. I think we've both had four advertising internships. Uh, I've had five total. Like, I think Cole's had probably five total, too. Zach, you've had a few, too. Like, mm -hmm. like we did a lot in college that maybe we didn't necessarily need to. I just kept doing advertising internships because it was fun. And I knew that that was what I wanted to do. And like, why not do it? You know what I mean? Like, if I could, why not? Um, but it, it really depends because like starting out, like if you're a freshman, sophomore, you should try as many different things as possible. But I'm of the, I'm of the perspective that while you should continue to learn as much as possible, you also need to be cognizant of the fact that you are trying to find a job when you graduate and unfortunately unless you're going to account management a lot of advertising is very specialized and at a certain point you're going to want to start getting experience in something that interests you specifically so that you can be a better candidate for that job position so i think it's a matter of building your roadmap right finding what do you want to do or if you're not you know so if you're not sure what you want to do try a bunch of different things if you're interested in advertising or marketing Try your hand at, you know, learning some Adobe Photoshop skills or Adobe Suite skills through YouTube tutorials. Um, you know, you can get a really good student discount on the Adobe Suite. Most schools have them on their computers and you can use them for free and just go through and do YouTube tutorials to figure out like, oh, do you enjoy working with these tools? Because then you could maybe be a designer or try just writing some stories or writing some poems or writing some stuff down. And if you really like to write, maybe you could be a writer, you know, you're building up those skills. If you are really interested in strategy, what I do every morning is I have my ad age uh, morning update thing that comes and I read it every morning when I get up. Usually it comes in somewhere between 4 a.m. to 6 a.m. and it always wakes me up. But um, you know, I'll read it before I get in the shower and then I'll come into work knowing, okay, these are like the five or six things that have happened in the industry today that are just quickly bite-sized segments. Also, you can subscribe to Madness, Zach's uh, advertising <laughs> newsletter that is every Friday typically. And uh, that has a lot of great insights too. So you can start to understand why brands do what they do or what's going on. Those are the basic things you can do to kind of start to stay up to date in the industry without really even spending a whole lot of time. All it takes is a, a it takes a couple hours on a Saturday or after a class to to start just studying tutorials online or to read an article. It just takes a couple minutes. Um, so that way you stay up to date on what's going on so that you're more informed about what you may want to try or what you can do in interviews. The other thing I'd say is... Um, you know, when you're prepping for stuff, like really work to build your, your, your story. And part of that story is trying other things. Like you may want a job in advertising, but make sure to also get skills and other stuff. Cause that gives you an outside perspective. Mm -hmm. So like if you're a big fan of, um, I don't know, uh, I'm going to say lacrosse. Cause again, I've been watching a lot of gossip girl and a couple of them play lacrosse, but like, if you're a big fan of lacrosse, Play up lacrosse, the team skills in there contribute to working in a team environment and advertising. It's like Elizabeth Brownson said uh, a few episodes back about how really in advertising, you're looking for people who have great team skills, great people skills. Mm -hmm. So work to build those. Um, but, you know, that's a more broad, abstract answer to your question. I think Zach and Cole both answered great about how to find the time, you know. But um, again, I also just want to say focus on, you know, what is your path? What is your plan? And, and kind of build those skills through that as well. So with that in mind, uh, we're going to transition over to our bite-sized takes. I was expecting to hear mm -hmm. Zach do a sound effect again. Woo! <laughs> oh, that was oh not that one? You want the... <sighs> there it is. Yeah, there we go. That's what we need. <laughs> Taking a bite out of podcasting. Um, and a bite one out of our ears. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> um, so, again, I mentioned this at the front of the episode usually there wasn't a lot going on in the advertising world right now i opened my fat mouth and now we have six different things we want to talk about in bite-sized takes so this may be um, yeah. a, we like, gotta we gotta make sure we keep this to two minutes <laughs> yeah, yeah oh, we're exactly. giving ourselves two minutes yeah we exactly sure. you know yeah we gotta constrain it's funny, these I was, 
Yeah, I was looking in the. I was looking when I was editing the last episode. I was like, you know, it's about a minute twenty. It's not bad. We're staying We're not in that it. far off. No. <laughs> Besides, who cares? It's yeah, our exactly. show. We can do what we want. Um, we we're going to start off though with the Taco Bell Hotel. Now, Zach, I know you're a big fan of that one. Do you kind of want to introduce it to us? Uh, sure. So, uh, I mean, it kind of. You kind of said it. Taco Bell is creating a, as they call it, taco oasis in the desert, uh, in Palm Springs, California. It's where else? A, where else? Exactly. It's a hotel and resort called the Bell, uh, which is going to be. <laughs> laced with Taco Bell from literally start to finish. In the article, they talked about everything from your room to your breakfast to the cocktails to all the experiences that you will uh, go on throughout your time at this resort are going to be Taco Bell themed and have a taco twist. Uh, And so... I'd like to hear what you guys think about a brand hotel, uh, knowing or keeping in mind that this wasn't even the first brand hotel that we've seen this year. Yeah. Trivial Pursuit actually made a brand hotel a few months ago. <laughs> yeah, Leo uh, Burnett, Moscow. Also in 2019. Yeah. So this is the second Moscow. brand hotel of this year. <laughs> what do you guys think about the bell, the Taco Oasis in the desert? So I'll chime in here first. Note the All bell right. pun. Um <laughs> Wow, right? Um, it's funny because I think about the Taco Bell Cantina. I think there's a couple of them. There's actually one here in Phoenix, and I haven't gotten to go to it yet, but I really want to. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things where it's like if you have a brand that is just kind of this quirky brand, I may not even use it. Like, I don't even eat a lot of Taco Bell, but just the fact that there's an experience built around this quirky brand, like, I already know the brand's kind of fun. So inherently, I want to kind of partake in this hotel yeah. too. Like, I don't know that I. I don't know that I'm the biggest fan that would get a chance to do it, but um, it's kind of cool. And again, this is kind of just a PR play, but there are those really loyal Taco Bell fans me. that, yeah, like me, you, me, Zach. Me, me. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Note to Taco Bell, let's, let's fly them in. Um, uh-huh. Oh, you can drive to Palm Springs. It's I can get there. It's not that get far. There. You'll make it work. <laughs> um, I think it's a great way to get attention for your brand, celebrate your greatest fans, kind of surprise and delight them with a couple cool experiences that are really kind of like a, a really cool memory and like a weird flex mm-hmm. of like, yeah, you know, I stayed at the Taco Bell Hotel. They call it yeah. the Bell. You've probably heard of it. And who knows how exclusive it's going to be, too. Mm-hmm. They haven't they, they haven't mm-hmm. disclosed how long it's What I will be yeah. upset with, though, is it if it's just a bunch of influencers time. and it's not actual fans, yeah. I'll be a little bit disappointed because uh, that would be a huge <laughs> miss in my mind. Um, mm-hmm. But I think it's a cool way to get people who are passively aware of the brand to be like damn that's cool and also really celebrate their current fans what do you think cole um well yeah i think that um i think that it's an interesting proposition um i feel like taco bell recently they've even with their you know tv spots i feel like they're trying to immerse you more so in their world sort of you know it's kind of like this weird fashion i know there's one where it was like underwater and so maybe this is the next progression of that is bringing that into the physical sphere with the bell um I mean, yeah, it, it is a PR play in a big way, um, but it will be interesting to see if there are those diehard fans that do make the trip out there to to visit the Bell. Um, I think it's interesting. <laughs> they say on the site here that there is a taco. There are Taco Bell cocktails, which um, personally. I am a fan of Baja Blast, so would be interested to hear how that is. Oh, yeah. Right. Um, and, mm. and also the Taco anyway. Bell-inspired nail art, fades, and braid <laughs> bar. Uh, I, I wonder have to what a Taco out Bell a braid looks that, like. Though. Exactly. Like, do they weave in maybe some, like, hot sauce packets or something like that? That could be kind of fun. Um, but <laughs> they would burst <laughs> anyway, hot sauce shampoo. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, so you can like, survive off of it in the car, so I guess you could braid it in your hair. We're at that point. Honestly, oh, yeah. And there's so many ways that you can tie this in, in in weird ways. And, I mean, even, again, we're talking more about building these brand worlds. Taco Bell, uh, you know, some brands do it through cinematic um, medieval spots and Taco Bell chooses to do it with a you know a fun hotel which I'm sure there'll be like a rave at it or something like that um you know that fits into their world <laughs> so it'll be kind of interesting to see I'm yeah, excited no, to see what point. the experience I think- is like yeah yeah, like experiential marketing has been like, oh, this is all the rage. And then mm-hmm. it was kind of like, eh. and then it was like, oh, this is all the rage. And it was like, eh. but like, I think the, mm-hmm. the big takeaway is like, if you can give fans like 
as a marketer you want complete control over the the consumer path right Mm -hmm. with your brand and the best way to do that is to give them a whole experience that is entirely branded by taco bell it's like if you can let them stay at a hotel that you control (laughs) and you can give them this entire Mm -hmm. experience from start to finish like where it's exclusively Taco Bell communication, like it's really kind of a marketer's dream and I think it's a cool way to do it. Um, and another thing on that point too, and this is why I think it works so well for Taco Bell, uh, uh-huh. Taco Bell has always sort of positioned themselves as like a food innovator or just an innovator in the space in the sense that they've never been afraid to introduce wacky new food items to their menu. Uh, and that sort of extends to their marketing. You talk about the Taco Bell Cantina. Uh, at the Taco Bell Cantina in Vegas, you can actually actually get married uh, yeah. at the Taco Bell Cantina. Yeah, exactly. You can ask for like a wedding ring at the counter and they'll give it to you and they give you this whole experience for like 600 bucks or something like that. With the side of tacos. Yeah, with the side mm-hmm. of tacos. And that's just who Taco Bell <laughs> is. They've always uh, tried these crazy things and they've never backed down from any of them, uh, whether it be their food or their, their marketing stunts. And I think that's why it works so well for them because when you hear that Taco Bell's making a hotel, uh, knowing that they already do weddings, it's not necessarily that crazy of a, of a jump to to believe that this will be an awesome experience. If you think about it, it's a genius way to take over the kind of hotel uh, travel industry, you know? You get married at your Taco Bell, <laughs> and then you have your honeymoon, honeymoon at the Taco Bell <laughs> Resort. And then after Ooh. that, I don't know, you go to the Taco Bell like amusement park or I don't know. Or you go back What's to work next? at the Taco Bell. Um, oh, here. Yeah, it's, Guys, it's, it's pretty wild. I, I just thought of something. Here's, I bet, what's next. We get um, branded Airbnbs. you imagine? You're like a Taco Bell Airbnb or something like that. I think I think that's, that's the next logical step here. <laughs> so we'll see. Yeah, that would be funny. A Taco Bell Airbnb would be a whole nother layer of, uh, you know, extra sauce, I guess, on the marketing uh, marketing campaigns. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I don't know. Personally, I've never wanted to stay overnight in a Taco Bell, but I guess I guess this could change that. I almost have. <laughs> I think yeah, we've all exactly. almost stayed overnight in some kind of fast food. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> and not to get too carried away with tacos, we also want to talk about Cliff Bars. What? Um, okay, so I'm going to start this off with a story of my own. Austin, Texas. The other place that keeps it weird. I love it. An ad agency sponsored by an ad agency from the other place that keeps it weird. <laughs> We're talking about Callen. That's Craig Allen, mm-hmm. Callen. Um, the awesome indie two-year-old Austin shop that uh, came from Craig Allen, a creative over at Wyden and Kennedy responsible for the major Old Spice campaign that you all know and love, um, left to go back to Austin where he had his alma mater and Wyden sponsored his agency and... Um, one of their really their first major pieces of work has now come out. They've done some stuff behind the scenes and I haven't really seen too much of their work up to this point, but really I think this is their big national campaign. Mm-hmm. And I know Zach and I were both very excited to see that because we've been rooting for this agency and following along with their story. Um, and they came out with this campaign for Cliff Bar that is I am absolutely in love with. Uh, I even told them on Instagram that I was in love with it and the agency and Craig Allen himself liked my comment. So, you know, I was living on cloud nine for a little bit there, but, uh, you know, no need to brag about it, I guess. Um, anyway, back to the work. Um, it's this kind of minute and a half spot and they have a couple different like 30 second breakdowns of it where they have this guy being followed walking through these fields as people are getting ingredients, walking through a factory as things are getting made, aka Cliff Bar is getting made, um, walking through testing rooms where they're showing like how you know they test the ingredients for health and how they show that poison is actually not good for you. It's poisonous. Which is pretty funny. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and then you kind of see the the guy go through the factory and he's kind of essentially walking through this world of Cliff Bar, talking about the different ingredients that are made up in it and how it's healthy, how it's organic. Um, and it's kind of cool because it, it calls out a lot of other brands, but in a way that doesn't really feel like on the nose or like rude or anything. It just is like a, hey, this is us. We've been doing this for a while. And, you know, we believe since things are not that great in the world right now that, you know, we should kind of strive for good, you know, and and it is a really cool spot. Um, my favorite part of it 
is on the Cliff Bar logo, you have the hiker, the climber, and the red shirt that's hanging off the kind of cliff face. And they had the guy that was your main character in the spot walk outside, start climbing, and then he stops and he's like, I'm hanging here now because now I'm a logo. And then it zooms out and he turns into the logo. <laughs> and it was, it was a kind of a cool little creative twist there. Um, so obviously I'm a big fan of it. Uh, Zach, what did you think? And then we'll get to you, Cole. Uh, I also loved it. Um, I will say I had a different favorite part. Uh, this is one of those as that you just have to watch because you get so much of it from yeah. the visuals and from how they, they tell this story and how it flows. My favorite part was when he, I believe he walks out of like the tree and he's like on this little kind of like catwalk and he just sort of falls, just falls off the side <laughs> of it. And you hear this eagle go, Gah! and then he like hits the ground and just, just gets up smacks. and keeps walking. And it's yeah. just, it's it's got mm-hmm. such a quirky charm to it that you can't help but smile the whole way through. And it, everything is kind of presented in this matter-of-fact way. Uh, and they're saying, you know, very obvious things. Like, I, I said that it's poisonous thing earlier, because when they go into that health testing lab, he's saying, we're testing poisons, and we found out they're poisonous or something <laughs> like that. So it's just very matter-of-fact, like, duh, this stuff is happening. Uh, and to see it uh, be told in the way it's told is is really special. Uh, and the tagline, make it good, is perfect for it. As a copywriter, I loved it, because it's simple. It's not ridiculously over the top or anything it's just that's what they've been doing they've been making it good for x amount of years and they're going to keep doing that into the future yeah and in the art style of it for those of you who haven't watched it yet it's like i don't know how would you describe it zach it's very like almost vaudeville like 20s 30s yeah. carnival kind of like yeah it's a little very bit quirky bright, offbeat uh, yeah but bright yeah almost like a stage show mm-hmm yeah, very cool. And the guys, I don't think the guys smi- like stop smiling the whole time. Like, yeah, it, it, you just have you have to watch it because it's it's, it's very endearing. Yeah, Cole, what did <laughs> you think? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I mean, I feel like you definitely see the the widen influence in it. You know, kind of creating this quirky little world here. You know, I guess both cities keep it weird, so I guess we're definitely seeing that here. Um, I think I think uh, you know you're right. It does kind of have sort of a classic style to it, and it's kind of more in the fashion. Um, you know, where the sets and stuff, they all look practical. Um, you know, they do use a lot of like animation and whatnot, but you know, it all feels real, I think, which is kind of something that I think, uh, kind of goes back to, you know, the Mm -hmm. authenticity here of make it good, you know, cliff bar is presenting themselves as, you know, the opposite of poison, obviously, um, you know, and all of these cool things. And, you know, it almost feels a little Wes Anderson ish, you know, in it's, kind of execution yeah. here yeah. it's super it's super fun and uh quirky so i i definitely say you got to check it out and it's i i don't know as somebody who does enjoy cliff bars quite a bit um you know chocolate chip that classic hard to go wrong with it um so i definitely like to see the brand you know kind of portrayed and personified in this way with this uh quirky guy i guess he's the biker so yeah it's cool yeah and um, like to see um, speaking more of, of food yeah, exactly. And, and speaking of food here, KitchenAid, uh, the mixer we all know and love but possibly can't afford just yet. Uh, <laughs> um, in Toronto, there is the CN Tower, which is a pretty cool looking tower. Um, they have this billboard over a freeway where uh, KitchenAid worked with Zulu Alpha Kilo to essentially match the color of their mixer on the billboard to the color of the tower behind it. So you're driving down the freeway and you see the tower lit up a certain color. You know, in the couple photos they share, there's one where it's pink, green, yellow, and red. And depending on what the color is, the KitchenAid mixer matches that color. (laughs) So it's just a super simple thing. But again, Cole talks about how out of home can really be used for so much more than just slapping a billboard up and leaving it. And I think that this is a great example of using a digital board to update in real time based off of its environment. Um, so I loved it. And just the simplicity and the it's so pleasing to the eye to just look at this photo at night on a freeway and see the red matching the red. Um, so Zach, what did you think? And then we'll get to you, Cole. <clears throat> There's something really special about doing an outdoor campaign like this where there's not necessarily 
a very distinct purpose or if there is one it's not super clear um the purpose of this is just to make people feel good and i think that's exactly what would happen when anyone drove by this billboard because seeing the color of that KitchenAid match so the color pleasing. of the building behind it is very very pleasing uh if there is a message i i think it would be the fact that KitchenAid does feature a lot of different colors of their of their mixers and so i was yeah. trying to think of the tie-in and that could definitely be it is they're kind of showcasing that in a way but even if you don't think of it that deeply, it's just nice. You know, it's just nice to see. It'll just make you feel good when you're driving by. It doesn't have to try and be overly creative. It doesn't have to try and sell you on something. You just see it and you're like, wow, that's really fun. And it's going to make you feel good. And it's probably going to going to drive some people to buy KitchenAid as a as a result. So I thought it was awesome. Mm hmm. Yeah, and so I I I agree with uh, Zach and Trent. You know, I think it's a really smart and uh, fun buy. You know, it's I, I think it's it's cool to see you know a brand identifying with one a city landmark. You know, that's that's a you know a pretty big a pretty special thing to you know kind of align yourself with a, a city in that way. You know, you think of if it was, you know, like the empire state building, yeah. you know, basically of Canada kind of. So, um, I think it's really cool to see that. And again, it's like making the most of your ad space. Um, you know, we had a story a couple weeks ago about, you know, the billboards in France being the unused billboards being used by a brand, uh, you know, taking advantage of these opportunities in media and in out of home, especially. And, you know, this is a great opportunity to showcase, um, you know, kind of a fun aspect of the brand, this being the colors of the mixers um, and being able to kind of identify with the city in that way. So I think it's a really cool, uh, you know, for Canada. And I think it's really, um, you know, a smart buy. And I think, again, it's like you have to think of where these things are placed uh, in a city and how you can take advantage of that uh, to the extent. So, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I totally agree. And uh, we do have a food theme going here. Um, it is funny. I don't know that we intended it, but that is mm-hmm. how the advertising world placed it on our plate. Yeah. It's an international um, thing as well. Next There's a lot up of international here. stuff. It really is. Mm-hmm. We are going international here again. Now we're going to Chile. Um, Twitch cooks a Whopper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, those of you who may be familiar with Twitch may know of uh, Twitch plays Pokemon. Um, essentially, what that was is Twitch. Okay, if you don't know, let me start here. If you don't know what Twitch is, it is a major streaming platform similar to a YouTube, but it's based off of live streaming where people will play a video game live and then other people can watch it and comment in real time and interact with the streamer. And um, so, a few years back, um, they had this thing called Twitch Plays Pokemon where people would comment and those comments would convert into commands for the game. And to, they were trying to play through it. It was like a crowdsourced playing of a game with like millions yeah. of people. And like I may comment, stuff I may comment left and Zach may comment right. So and then we're never able to move. <laughs> you know, so it took them 255 hours to actually complete the game, uh, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, Burger King is hopping on this again now which is kind of cool and um they're working with an influential local twitch streamer called dylan taro and they're essentially crowdsourcing a new whopper design where people will chime in as he live streams on twitch uh, burger king's twitch account and they'll input commands to to have a robotic arm place a different ingredient <laughs> down one at a time and then once the burger is being finished um they will sell that burger in select stores in chile um <laughs> I love the fact that Burger King is hopping on uh, this Twitch train. I've been in meetings before where people will say, oh, the Twitch community is toxic. We want to stay away from it. And in some cases, it is. It's similar to the YouTube culture where you see a lot of issues going on with with fights and and uh, gender uh, disparities. And there's a lot of issues with with stuff like Twitch and and YouTube to that extent. But uh, that ignores the fact that uh, Twitch currently has more than 100 million active monthly users. Um, And and a significant part of those are also daily users that have a great brand affinity to the streamers they watch. Most of these people grew up watching these streamers and have a huge affinity to whatever products they sponsor, whatever brands they're associated with. And I think for Burger King, a brand that has done weird stuff in the past, this was right in their wheelhouse Mm -hmm. to take advantage of that really young generation 
Gen Z millennial audience, especially in Chile. Mm-hmm. Zach, your thoughts? My favorite piece about this is that they're actually selling the burger. Yeah, exactly. Because uh, they very mm-hmm. easily could have stopped at building it, and it already would have been cool and it already would have gotten a lot of people excited but the fact that they're taking it a step further and they're actually going to offer whatever the heck this creation turns into uh at some of these yeah. restaurants is is so fun to me because it's almost like you're going to get a bunch of people engaged that are going to log onto the platform to try and help build this thing and odds are a lot of those people once it gets built will then go and want to purchase it uh if there's a burger king in their area that is selling it just because they contributed to making it in the first place uh, yeah. And so I think to me that is just my favorite part of this whole thing is that they're they're taking this community, this virtual community, and this this online platform, uh, using it in a really fun and creative way that's going to actually get people to engage with their content because they're going to have to build it, and then they're converting that into their actual brick and mortar stores by selling the thing that they've created and getting people to come in and purchase. That's mm-hmm. that's pretty good. Yeah. Cool. What do you think? Um, I think it's really cool Um, just to see, I think, brands also expanding to new channels, new forms of social media here. Um, So Twitch is kind of a platform that's really exploded in the past few years. Um, And so it's really cool to see brands kind of taking advantage of that now. Um, And again, just crowdsourcing as well. I I think it's really cool, Zach, as you mentioned, to have the follow through to actually put the the burger into production and have people be able to buy it i think is really awesome um but it's kind of also showing how you know how influential these platforms can be um you know you have hundreds of thousands of people coming together to you know vote on this burger um you know it's really brands starting to take advantage of those things i was listening to another podcast recently that talked about how you know even uh, companies like uh, nonprofits like Feeding America, um, you know, Twitch has a built-in payment feature um, as well that you can pay streamers uh, very easily on the platform. Yeah. And so that's another way too that brands can really take advantage of those things because then it's really quick and easy to uh, for you know uh, viewers uh, streamers to make donations. Um, so again, it's just using these platforms to the most of your ability. And, you know, there are a lot of benefits to these places, even though you might have to be a little bit more creative, um, but building a robot arm and, you know, crowdsourcing a new Whopper, I think that's a pretty, that's a pretty (laughs) innovative way to use it. So, um, you know, us ASU grads, we like, we like to see that. So it'd be good. Number one in innovation. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Number one, number two, Stanford, number three, uh, MIT. (laughs) You know, speaking of another thing that's on fire right now, uh, oh, man. <laughs> uh, I'm just getting too good at this. Um, Fox has a TV show called The Passage, and it's a vampire TV show. And wouldn't you know the agency BETC Havas uh, promoted it through, once again, out of home, um, by creating a bunch of posters um, that go up in flames uh, when exposed to sunlight. Um, It was in Brazilian streets of Sao Paulo. Um, You know, the shame is that the show was canceled within the first season, so it wasn't super successful, but we saw this pop up on Adweek and we're like, well, we got to talk about it anyway. Um, Even though the show maybe not have been good enough to stick around and the posters couldn't stick around because they caught on fire. Zach, what do you think about this cool stunt? Well, they do say the best way to kill a bad product is good advertising. Mm-hmm. And whether or not that had anything to do with this, I don't know. But it, it, it's a really interesting uh, utilization of Out of Home. Yeah. I know we've been talking a lot about Out of Home. Cole loves Out of Home. Uh, you, you know I love me. Out of Home. I think Bill it's one of the guy. places that you can be the most creative. I, <laughs> you, you talked about it last I know, week. No, I know. It's romantic. I know. It's romantic. romantic. Exactly. The words you used. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> but... Uh, it's it's one of those mediums that has so much potential, especially now when you know it used to be the primary way of, of of doing advertising or one of the primary ways of doing advertising. And then TV came around, well, radio came around first, and then TV came around, and people started to adapt these these other platforms to their their mix. Uh, and just to see people kind of come back to it and utilize it in in new and exciting ways is cool. Um, 
you never would think about lighting your ad on fire. Yeah. Like, especially whenever it comes in contact with sunlight, because that means that ad is not really going to be there very long. Um, but the thinking behind that comes now with social media and with with PR, uh, because I'm sure they knew that in doing this, it was going to get a lot of PR coverage and a lot of people were going to talk about them if they had seen them or saw the ashes of the ad itself. Uh, and that's really one of the most interesting plays here is that social media has given us the ability to take something like out of home uh, and and literally destroy the ad in front of people in less than a day. Uh, and, and still that medium will be effective just because of the fact that you can now go on social media and you can now get picked up by different publications and people will continue to talk about what you made, which is really inventive to, to see how people are recognizing that and then utilizing it to make a cool campaign. And I think that's exactly what this was. Uh Yeah. I mean, I think, I think it's awesome. Uh, you know, there's a lot of, yeah, exactly. There's a lot of ways to, I, I think people always try to come up with new ways to promote TV shows and it always ends up being things at like bus stops and things like that. I know there was a Netflix show called, um, called, what was it? Altered Carbon that, um, you know, they promoted by putting people in yeah. vacuum sealed bags in like you know, bus stops and things like that. And so it's kind of fun to see this stuff uh, go up. And I think people are doing it more and more because it's getting attention like this, you know, though I think both of those shows didn't end up doing very well. So, you know, you wonder the effectiveness maybe, especially because, uh, you know, I don't know who's going to be there at sunrise to watch these things catch on fire, but uh, you know, you got to definitely, you got to definitely find the right buy for that. A place where, you know, people are going to be there at four 30 to see this happen. But if anything, it's a really cool idea, you know, perfectly epitomizes the show. Um, And Hey, we're talking about it. So, I mean, again, it's that social media, uh, you know, thing. Uh, It'll just get picked up uh, the virality there. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, I like it. I think it's a, I think it's a cool spot. And again, fun to see this uh, innovation out of home. You know, they're really doing cool stuff. Yeah, exactly. Right. And and to your point, too. So because fires are dangerous, yeah. <laughs> love that line, um, they encased, they enclosed the posters in glass. So it yes. almost was like this huge display that you see this yeah. floating poster of like this guy staring at you angrily. Um, and then they, they replaced them a couple times uh, overnight, you know what I mean? And they had them in commercial centers of the city. So like, you know, you think people are walking around and then of course too, you have a social media team, go film it and post mm-hmm. a video, you know what I mean? To generate the buzz. So it's kind of interesting. And, you know, finally speaking of social media and speaking of buzz, Cole, I know you're a little bit pissed off about something. <laughs> Do you want to talk about Vita Coco? Oh yeah, you could say that. Um, so I guess the final, our final bite size, <laughs> or the other people yeah, are pissed exactly. off. Our final bite of salad. The final bite size take uh, is more of a liquid. Exactly. We'll stop <laughs> up all the dressing here um, at the bottom <laughs> with a <laughs> with a stunt that uh, the brand Vita Coco the the, the the brand Vita Coco pulled on Twitter. Um, and so basically, um, Vita Coco uh, wanted to address the haters. So there's a lot of people out there that don't really like <laughs> coconut water that much. Admittedly, I'm kind of one of those people. Um, I think mm. it kind of tastes like sweat. Um, but, you know, that's just me. Um, so anyways, they've released <laughs> this new like coconut sweat. water. Um, exactly. So they better send me some because I'm a hater as well. But um, they have this new type of coconut water called pressed coconut and their tagline for it is that it's impossible to hate so it's so good that even the haters are can't deny how good it is exactly i'd like to see that um so basically they found the people on the internet that have let uh, left the most negative product reviews on sites like yelp amazon TripAdvisor. so they used an algorithm to literally they developed one to find these people the most negative haters out there and then they were sending them uh this coconut water to, to show them that, hey, this, this coconut water is so good that it's impossible to hate, to really kind of try to prove their point there. And so um, then one of these haters gave a response. I know that we're allowed to swear on here, so I'm going to say it. Um, he replied to them, fuck that. Save that nasty shit for someone else. I would rather drink your social media person's piss than coconut water. 
I know. So hopefully kids were covering their ears before that. Um, to which so Vitacoco, <laughs> exactly. To which Vitacoco responded with their social media manager in the bathroom holding a jar of her own urine with a Vitacoco label on it, of course. <laughs> urine for a treat with now. the response exactly with the response address. <laughs> so Vitacoco oh, actually goodness. called this guy's bluff and offered to send him a jar of pee. So let's get into the takes here. <laughs> Gentlemen, what do you think? Uh, Trent, we'll st- we can start with you just, and then go to Zach. <laughs> I want to note for the listeners at home, it's a big jar. <laughs> it's a that was my first takeaway. Is I was like, this jar is bigger than her head. It's probably, <laughs> you could fit probably like six Vitacocos in there. Like, mm-hmm. it's a lot. Um, They're so very hydrated at the Vitacoco office. It up. Um, yeah, it, you know, okay. So here's the thing. Here's the thing. Um, I already don't like coconut water. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it. I wouldn't hate on it as much as some people do. Um, but here's my issue. Okay, so it is really funny, and it gets people talking about the brand. Yes, but the thing I want to caution is, like, when you have like a a CPG consumer product good that you're supposed to eat or consume. I just, you want to be careful not to gross people out too much. And I feel like now I'm forever gonna associate Vitacoco with piss. Piss. And just think about this picture of this this bemused social media manager holding her jar of piss in a bathroom stall instead of the joys of the Vitacoco liquid. Um, I don't know. It, it, it's super funny and I appreciate it and I love that they had the courage to do that. So I don't want to take away from the stunt because I think it's awesome. But it did have the side effect of maybe making me not want to engage with it just because now I, I think of piss when I think of Vitacoco. I don't know. What do you think, mm-hmm. Zach? It's interesting because you bring up a very good point there. Uh, and as I think about it, I'm I'm curious how someone who likes coconut water would respond to that. Because you admittedly said you don't mm-hmm. like it very much. Yeah. I don't like it very much. Cole doesn't like it very yeah. much. I can drink it in a body <laughs> armor, but that's because there's other stuff in it that doesn't taste like coconut. And and in that sense, I, I think of that. I like Now I'm like, oh, I'm going to associate it with piss right away because I don't really drink it that much. But to someone who likes it... They might think it's awesome. They might think it's awesome. And that does nec- like maybe alienate some consumers who have never tried it before. Uh but I think the value, in a sense, is justified just because they had this opportunity to to call this person out. And and obviously people are talking about it. This was in time. Yeah. So it's not like it's just some one off magazine that decided they were going to pick up this story like it's it's big news. Um, and uh-huh. I've 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 said this before, and I think it's something I'm going to reiterate now again. Social media to me works its best uh, when it's when people are reactive on the platform, when brands are reactive on the platform. Yeah, you can make really great campaigns, but the things that people talk about most are when your brand engages with someone that wakes up one day and says, "Hey, how many retweets to get free chicken nuggets forever or whatever?" It yeah, was. exactly. Or, Let's bring mm-hmm. back spicy chicken nuggets or yep. this tastes yeah, like exactly. piss. Uh, and it's those <laughs> moments that mm-hmm. are so powerful and 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 just provide brands with this like golden nugget of opportunity to do something fun and great uh Mm -hmm. and so anytime that i see them capitalize on those moments i'm very happy Uh, because sometimes it extends past the the um the outcome of of what people are going to think of it and it just is it, it humanizes them. Sure. If anything mm-hmm. else, you know, it, it humanizes this brand. Whether people think it's a little bit gross, a lot of people are going to see that this brand has a personality. Yeah. Uh, it it it's funny and it it believes in its product and in itself enough mm-hmm. to do something silly like this that's going to get yeah. attention. So exactly, that's my take on it. Exactly. I think it really yeah, shows and- too that like. You know, I, I don't know. I feel like there's a, a line almost that you have to draw eventually where it's like, how far can a brand go? Like, I'm, I'm excited to see because now someone's going to try to top this and a brand's going to like get in trouble mm-hmm. or something like that. But yeah. like, <laughs> something I think, bad but anyways, exactly. what I wondered, like, what, what is the response? Exactly. To Where's this? the line <laughs> here? But like, but like, I think it is cool that 
you know, we've reached a point where a company is willing to send a picture of a girl with her own pee to a customer. Like, that's that's insane. <laughs> and like, I think I just think it's cool that like this like is that. the point we've reached now. And it's like we have, you know, KFC influencers. We have, you know, these sassy brands that will do anything to get attention here. And it's just kind of, you know, it's the times we live in. It's what you have to do to, to get attention nowadays. So, but it's cool. It's really cool. And on a similar note, you know, we talk about our bite-sized takes. We kind of gave you a full-course meal today with six <laughs> different ads. Um, but we hope you enjoyed the ride with us. Um, you know, we all love to talk and we all love to eat. So, uh, you know, here, here we go for the ads again. Now... To kind of wrap up this week's episode, I want to thank you again for tuning in and listening. As always, if you enjoyed our fan response, send us another question. Follow us on Instagram, salad underscore podcast. Let's talk. Send us a DM and we'll, we'll, we'll answer what we can. Um, I want to give you a look ahead to next week. Uh, we had a great interview with uh, Mike Pedito. Uh, just an all-around great guy and, uh, and was recently a brand director over at 72 and Sunny and is also an adjunct professor at Loyola Marymount University. We had a long conversation with him. Um, it was about an hour and 20 minutes, but it was f- fucking incredible um, to sum it up. And I'm excited for all of you to hear that. It's going to be coming out next Thursday. Uh, so keep an eye out for that. Um, we talk about what it was like to be behind the scenes of the NFL 100 Super Bowl commercial. We had all the athletes fighting in the room. What it was like <laughs> to be marketing at Shiat Day on the Theranos account. Um, and just general life advice and what it, what his career has been like and what made him fall in love with advertising. So I hope you look forward to that, chat. And I want to thank you again for tuning in today. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's all I have. So, uh, you know, this is Trent signing off and toss it off to you guys, Zach and Cole. Hey, sign up for Madness. I know Trent said it earlier, but www.madnesstrends.com. You won't be disappointed. Have a good mm-hmm. night, everybody. And have an fantastic week. As always, that's Cole. I am Zach. And that was also. <laughs> Wait, what the... uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there you go. Uh, uh. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs>